0: This edition of The Wellness Prescription is brought to you by Healthy Planet, making the world healthier and greener one day at a time. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. I'm Dr. Claudia. Thank you all for joining me. On the show today is Kelly McGonigal. She's a PhD, research psychologist, a lecturer at Stanford University, and an award-winning science writer. She has written numerous books, but today we'll be discussing her latest book, The Joy of Movement, How Exercise Helps Us Find Happiness, Whole, Connection, and Courage. Thank you so
1: much for being here today. Well, thank you, Dr. Claudia. I'm so excited to talk with you. Before we dive into the book, The Joy of Movement, can you tell listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, so one thing you didn't mention is that I've been teaching movement for more than 22 years. Uh, everything from dance to yoga to rehabilitation movement, people of all ages and all abilities. And I think of it as going hand in hand with my work as a psychologist. um, In my experience, physical exercise is one of the most important things that we can do to increase our own mental well-being and also build communities. So I decided to finally write a book that brings those two things together.
0: Well, when I came across the title of your book, I was immediately impressed. The joy of movement. My gosh, somebody else who thinks like me. I feel that movement is the key to life. It's the path to longevity. And it's also a privilege. But most people feel it's a chore. So why is this?
1: Wait, now you said that you love the title, but you didn't tell me what you love. So what's a a form of movement that you love?
0: I love all forms of movement. So I love exercising for exercise, but I love dancing. I love walking. I love anything that requires my body to move because, you know, my experience and my profession is watching the body do amazing things through movement.
1: That resonates with me, although I don't love all forms of movement. I'm not a runner. I'm married to a runner. So um, I will say you don't have to love all forms of movement to find your joy of movement. But you know, I think that one of the reasons why I wanted to focus on the joys of movement is because you know, we live through our bodies. That's how human beings experience life. We are in bodies. And it turns out that physical movement allows us to access all these different human strengths and pleasures, whether it's the joy and pleasure we get from music movement enhances it. The joy and pleasure we get from play, movement enhances it. Or from cooperation, or competition, or being in nature. All the things that if you just ask people what makes you happy, it turns out that when you move your body in combination with those things, um, it actually enhances our ability to tap in to those different types of joys and experience those benefits. So um, it really can be whatever form of movement brings you joy. But also, I always encourage people to start with actually just asking yourself, what kind of joy do I want more of? What makes me happy? Is it being outdoors? Is it uh, you know, being playful? Is it being a competitor? Is it learning new things? Is, for me, music is a huge part of it. Um, and then to look for a way of basically being physical while embracing whatever that That joy is that you want more of in your life.
0: And that's what I loved about your book is that you actually talk about movement and activity and exercise as a form of joy, as creating joy. And is that the reason why most people feel that movement and exercise is a chore is
1: because they're not looking at it as achieving joy or really finding some joy in, in moving? Lots of us were actually grew up being punished with movement, right? Like if you didn't do good enough, you had to do ten push-ups, or maybe there was some you know experience that you had where you weren't good enough at sports, and so you felt ashamed of that, or you know your body wasn't the right type to be a dancer, or a swimmer, or a gymnast, and so you had to give up on a dream. Um, and that continues into adulthood across the lifespan. Many people associate movement or exercise with being told that there's something wrong with their bodies uh, and that they need to use movement or exercise as a way to fix that, whether it's preventing a disease or losing weight or improving yourself. And um, you know that cultural mindset can really make it difficult to experience the direct pleasures of movement. So it's one of the reasons why I never talk about weight. I never talk about how many calories you're gonna burn doing something. To me, that's a completely separate conversation and you don't need to want to change your body in order to experience joy through your body. It's a really different mindset. And if you want benefits like health, physical health benefits, you will get them from whatever type of movement you do. It's not like you can accidentally go out there, go for a walk you know, with a friend and have a great conversation or be outdoors and enjoy the sunshine. And because you're enjoying the sunshine and the conversation, you're not going to also get some cardiovascular benefit. That takes care of itself for the most part.
0: You gathered research for your book by interviewing numerous people about their experience with movement. And you were surprised to discover that many people were brought to
1: tears Why and how so? So let me give you an example. I just taught my morning dance class. And in that class, we have people of all ages from their 20s into their 90s. There are people in that class who have movement challenges like Parkinson's disease and arthritis. And it doesn't mean that they can't express themselves. They are still connecting to the music. They're still beautiful dancers and their presence contributes a lot to our community. And so I always encourage people, if there's a form of movement that inspires you or that brings something out of you that you appreciate about yourself, to look for that place where you can do it, there is almost always a version of it that is going to meet you where you are with the body that you have. And it is your right to to choose it um, and to experience that joy if you want to. It's funny because I, I thought, well, let me just ask people about a form of movement that they love and just tell me why it matters to you. And I really wanted to go outside of my area of expertise too. So I was talking to, you know, strength, strength trainers, power lifters, runners, hikers, swimmers, and so many of them were crying because nobody had ever asked them, like, tell me what it means to you to be able to swim or hike or lift weights. And I, I realized that the reason they were brought to tears was because they weren't only talking about the activity. They were talking about what the activity revealed about them. You know, like a woman who struggled from severe depression, who decided not to take her own life because she achieved a, a personal best in a deadlift. And she had a physical realization of how strong she was and that she could continue to surprise herself. And she decided she wanted to live. Like there, people were telling me these stories of The woman who started walking and then eventually ended up doing half marathons, she started in her 60s. By the time I talked to her, she had done dozens and dozens of half marathons. She had gone her whole life thinking that sports weren't for her because of her gender and her size and then her age. And then she completely surprised herself and formed an amazing community around that. And that was the other thing. People were talking about what they realized about themselves. And also people were telling so many great stories about the connections that they built in their communities and whether it's rowing or dance classes or training for events that people found these communities of mutual support where they had an opportunity to both help others and be helped and be celebrated and celebrate others uh, that's really different from the the way we usually have to perform in our social relationships where like you're the caregiver or you're in charge and just something so wonderful about the relationships we form in movement so that's why people were crying because they were like this is what i realized about myself and also these amazing human beings that i that i got to meet through this and then they were making me cry and I, i feel like it's one of the reasons why i wrote the book i tried to include all the stories that made me cry and tell it in a way that actually communicates it not through you know it's it it can sound a little cheesy as i'm just talking about it but when you actually hear people tell the truth about their experiences. It's moving. And many people are moved by the experience of movement. You know, that first time you are able to do a headstand in a yoga class and it shocks you, or when you finish, uh, you cross a finish line for your first 5K that you walked and strangers are cheering for you. I mean, these are moments that we remember. Um, So that's another reason we're all crying about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just joyous that we can recognize what our bodies are capable of uh, that you sometimes never think. And, you know, somebody may look at me who's running five kilometers in 20 minutes, you know, and think, oh, I'll never get there. But you know what? If you put your mind to it, it's amazing what we can do if we just find literally the joy in it, which is why I love the book so much. I was excited to read in your book that our biology includes so many ways to reward moving. This excerpt is, if you're willing to move, your muscles will give you hope. Your brain will orchestrate pleasure. Your entire physiology will adjust to help you find the energy, purpose, and courage you need to keep going. This was so
1: profound. I love it. Let's start with how your body will give you energy. So and by the way, let me put a uh, like a a container around this because a lot of times people will hear this and they'll think, oh, not me, not my body, not my brain. I have chronic pain. I have depression. I hate movement. So let me say, if you're somebody thinking that, I completely understand. I've I've been in my own life through periods of depression and grief and chronic pain, where I understand that not all forms of movement are immediately rewarding. But I want you to know I am talking to you and the things that I'm saying uh, can be true for you and your body and your brain. So the first thing is something called the feel better effect. And that is that for most people, if you have not moved your body in a while, and then you move your body in a way that makes sense for your body, get your heart rate up a little bit, breathe a little bit more deeply, use some of your muscles, take up space a little bit. Most people will immediately feel more energy and a more positive outlook. It's really reliable from very small doses, no intensity required. So I always tell people, whether you're sitting or standing, if you can stretch your arms out and take a big breath in, you can get a feel better effect or whatever movement you can do. And even like studies that have tried to ruin it by making the movement as unappealing as possible, like making people climb stairs in the dark, people still afterwards, they say they feel more energy and they feel more optimistic and and hopeful. So that's something you can think about. And I always say, if you wanna enhance the effect, um, just put on a song that you love. Most songs are a couple of minutes long. It's the perfect dose to feel better and move your body in any way that the music inspires you. Stretching, dancing, shadow boxing, just walking around. So that's one way. Um, You also mentioned your muscles can give you hope. This is phenomenal. When you contract your muscles in any form of movement, walking, lifting heavy things, um, you know, swimming, whatever, cycling your muscles produce chemicals and release them into your bloodstream that basically work as antidepressants and anti anxiety molecules. It's all forms of movement. And the, the more you do, the, the bigger the effect is. So the longer you move or the more intense your, your muscle activity is, um, the more these chemicals are released into your bloodstream that travel to your brain. And it's it, they can have short-acting effects, so you can immediately feel better. But even more, um, they tend to change your brain in ways that make you more resilient to stress, that can help um, relieve depression, grief, even addiction. Um, it's phenomenal. But what I think is so amazing is that it's your muscles that's doing this. It's like your muscles are a pharmacy. And there's no other way to get these chemicals. If you are completely sedentary, your muscles turn off this cascade of chemicals. And every time you move, you start to release them. Um, there are other ways, but and I know, I think we're gonna talk a little bit about the exercise high, which is something, another way that your body and brain can reward you for moving.
0: Well, I guess that's why I love my muscles so much. When we come back, more from Kelly McGonigal about her book, The Joy of Movement. This is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us.
1: Connect with us on Twitter at 105.9 The Region or call 416-335-1059 or email info at 105.9theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 1059 The Region.
0: You're listening to 1059 The Region. Welcome back to the wellness prescription. Before the break, Kelly and I were discussing how the brain rewards the body for movement. Many of us understand the feeling you get after workout, whether it's a hike, a jog, a walk, powerlifting, dancing, whatever it is, you perform an activity, it gets your body moving, it makes you feel good, and your brain and your muscles reward you. So, I'm really curious about the runner's high. I used to be a really avid runner. I still like running, um, and I know that feeling. So let's talk a little bit about the runner's high. You describe it in so many ways, and so many philosophers have different things to say about it. Let's let's get right into it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I won't philosophize about it. I'll tell you the biochemistry. Well, I'll, first, I'll tell you the good news. You don't have to run to get it. I mean, that's good news for people like me who don't run. Um, not everyone's born a runner, um, but you can also get it from any form of continuous movement. Again, let me say this, we're really talking about all forms of movement. There are studies showing that people in chairs doing really, um, really modest movements just with like their hands and their arms, not necessarily getting the heart rate up a lot can also produce the chemicals of the exercise high. So it's really about choosing to move your body and then staying in motion for about 20 minutes. There's this thing that kicks in when the brain understands that you are being physically active, that you are engaging in life through your body, particularly if your brain believes that there's a purpose to what you're doing. And this goes back to how humans have evolved and what we're adapted for. Your brain wants to help you do things that are important and that might require energy. So after about 20 minutes of any activity, your brain starts to reward you with endocannabinoids, uh, and endorphins, which are chemicals that relieve stress, relieve pain. It's one of the reasons, by the way, a lot of people who think that movement doesn't feel good, they stop <laughs> before they get to this point, and they may have never actually had that experience of how of how different you can feel after twenty minutes of gentle yoga or walking or exercising in the pool that there's a a tipping point in which your brain really does reward you and people can feel dramatically better even if the beginning of the movement was uncomfortable or difficult Uh, and so here's the great thing about this high sometimes it feels euphoric right sometimes people will talk about this exercise high like it's a drug and they feel incredible you know sometimes it feels more like a relief like all of the anxiety or the worries or the stress, there's just more ease present and that's worth it too. But often it feels like um, an openness to the world and particularly other people because endorphins and endocannabinoids are social bonding chemicals. When you have more of them released in your brain and in your body, you are better able to connect with other people. You experience less social anxiety Hugs feel better, laughing with other people feels better. It's easier to talk honestly and openly with other people. It's kind of amazing. It's one of the the things that makes movement a really good drug for me, as somebody who's both introverted and and was born with a lot of social anxiety. Um, For me, the exercise high is not about a drug, about like feeling good, it's about becoming a more open and uh, connecting person. So those are some ways to think about the exercise high. And again, to get it, 20 minutes of continuous movement that you can do, right? So you you find something and if you have to work up to it, you can. But all forms of movement uh, in which you are just, you just keep going, right? That's that's all it takes.
0: And I like that you say that. And you're so right. All it takes is 20 minutes. And I also feel it's important for me to say that when you start engaging in any movement that you find that you enjoy and will bring you joy, you actually look really forward to it. It doesn't seem like a chore. You you know the outcome. You know you're going to feel great. And you're right. It does make you more open to being with other people. Sometimes you invite people into your exercise activity, whether it's a walk, whether it's a hike, whether it's just dancing in your backyard or in your kitchen or whatever. You feel Like you want to have people join you because everybody's going to have that same feeling. And I feel like it's almost contagious in a way. So it is. It's a really good.
1: Yeah. Actually, there's a name for it. It's called collective joy. Uh, Sometimes it's called muscular bonding. So we know that in part because of this chemistry that unfolds when you move your body, um, people tend to like the people they move with. They feel uh, a greater sense of trust, a greater sense of community. So if you want to strengthen your relationship with anybody, going for a walk, learning a TikTok dance challenge, whatever it is, go take a class. Um, It's a great way to strengthen that bond.
0: When I read your book, I was so fascinated with the, I'm not even sure if I'm saying it correctly, the Hadza tribe. Um, Mm -hmm. There was some really interesting research. I didn't even realize that there was like still a tribe that is Kind of a hunting and gathering kind of community. So, can you tell us about the results and the research that was done and what they discovered?
1: Yeah, the reason I included um, this research in the book uh, is so, this is a, a tribe that lives in Tanzania and in the east coast of Africa. Um, and they are, they live lives that resemble what we think early humans lived hundreds of thousands of years ago. You know, psychologists will often talk about how humans, they evolved in a certain environment that's different than modern society. And if you want to understand the human body and brain, it's really helpful to think about the environment that we are adapted to. And the Hadza, they're actually living that life still. So a lot of scientists will go and live with them and study them to see um, sort of like, how does the human body and brain work in this environment that is so similar their lifestyle is so similar to uh the environment where we we basically adapted our brains and bodies so the thing that is most interesting about them when it comes to movement is they're very physically active so on average an adult will be moderately to vigorously active for two hours a day that's like hardcore like intense that's like a workout kind of level and then for many more hours, they're engaged in light activity, like just walking around and, and doing physical activity. And what's so interesting about the, their community is it doesn't decrease across the lifespan the way it does in most modern societies. So here uh, in, in North America, most people peak, their physical activity peaks when they're a kid and it just keeps on declining. You don't see that in the Hadza. You see people living throughout the lifespan um, they are active for hours a day. So one of the things that that tells us is that human beings are adapted to be quite physically active. Uh, and and, And also you see in those communities, the absence of things that we think of as like Western epidemics of heart disease and loneliness and depression. And so there may even be a link between being that physically active and being able to avoid some of the things that we think of as the sort of the inevitable consequences of, uh, of living.
0: I, I think that's so fascinating that, you know, we actually reduce our activity as we get older, when in fact, we should probably be increasing it and if nothing else, just maintain a, a certain level of activity, just because it's, it's you know, good for us all around for years to come. And um, you know what, why would we want to stop those feel-good hormones and that feel-good feeling?
1: Yeah. And of course, it's, I mean, it's important to recognize the reason, one of the reasons people aren't that active is we live in modern society where most people are driving or taking public transportation. Uh, most people have jobs that do not require them to be physically active. Um, people are busy, they're parenting, they're caregiving, they're, you know, so there's many reasons why they might not have the six hours a day that the Hadza has. I mean, they're out there just gathering their food. Um, so it's totally relatable. And yet at the same time, we can still look at that research and information and say, okay, well, we should choose to be as active as we can. Um and to not put unnecessary limits on ourselves, um, you know, it is possible to stay active across the lifespan.
0: I found it interesting that in your book, you commented on what happened to people who were forced to be sedentary for two weeks. We need to talk about this because this is so, so important.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting set of studies. So one thing that happens is when you tell people about the enormous amount of research showing that people who are regularly active are happier and they have better mental health, people will say, well, that's just because if you're already you know, happy and you're not depressed, you, it's much easier to exercise. Like they, the, the direction goes the other way. So some researchers said, let's test that hypothesis and take people who are moderately active and force them to be less active. And let's find out if we can make people unhappy by taking away activity. So a really important test. And a number of studies have shown that if you can reduce your levels of physical activity, uh, you will become more depressed, more anxious, experience less meaning in life. um, And when you restore yourself to whatever your level of activity is, you, you are happier again. And this has been shown in a number of different settings. So if you take people who exercise regularly and you tell them you can't exercise, you'll see that withdrawal effect. If you take people who are even just like moderately active, so a lot of people have heard this 10,000 step goal. So uh, some of these studies, they take people who are like around the 8,000 mark. So they're not even you know, reaching that 10,000, like I'm gonna be really active goal. And then you get them to do what is the typical average in the West. Around like five to 6,000 steps, you can basically induce depression. So, I think those studies, it's not an experiment I encourage anyone to try. I will tell you, I accidentally did that experiment myself. So, I typically am active for a couple hours a day because I teach movement. Um, And I experienced um, an injury earlier this summer that, in order to, you know, I, I really wanted to be cautious. And so I didn't do any movement for about two weeks. I was a- almost bedridden. And uh, boy, did I find out fast how important movement is for my mental health. Um, and my husband will tell you, I have not been that depressed in a long time.
0: Yeah, I, I feel that. I find that I do this, that same thing happens to me. I I was one of those people that had COVID a while back. And I just couldn't, I just didn't have the energy to be active. And the only thing I was thinking about, and thank God I wasn't very, very ill. I just didn't have the energy. And the only thing I kept thinking about was I cannot wait to get back to moving my body and being active and just getting outside. And it was, yeah, it it really does play with your mind where you just crave it. Your body needs it. And you want to feel the rewards that naturally are going to happen with being active
1: you know, I'm sure that there are some people listening now who hear this and they're actually feeling some grief hearing us talk about this because maybe they can't move in a way that brought them joy anymore. And one thing that I want to say is if you if you have the opportunity right now to move in a way that brings you joy, appreciate it. Be grateful that you have a body that can still move um, and be grateful for whatever ways your body can still move because. It can, it can be taken away from you. And there will come a time in your life if you're lucky enough to live that long when you will wish that you had the opportunity to go for a walk or to dance um, and to choose it now if you have it.
0: I love that. And I think that that is the greatest way to end our segment i can't thank you enough for joining me today the joy of movement is a book that everyone should read and should have so if listeners want to learn more about you want to get your book um i have the kindle version i just ordered the actual hard copy of it so how can we do that
1: yeah so uh, the joy of movement is everywhere in every format including audiobook and um if you want to find out more about me, my website, kellymcgonigle.com, is the best place. Thank you so much. And you can always find
0: me on Instagram at Claudia underscore mackella or my website, claudiamackella.com. That's my show for this week. If you missed any parts of the show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and of course, Audible. That's our show for this week. Thank you for listening, and I hope this helps you live your best life. The Wellness Prescription was brought to you by Healthy Planet. Order online at HealthyPlanetCanada.com or go online to find a location nearest you.